Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Good morning, New Song Family Church, and all of those of you who are joining online to to watch this service. It's so good to be back with you. Uh, We're hoping we're going to be back soon. We still miss you all. And as I begin today, just a heads up, I'm filming once again on the front porch of the house that uh, God has blessed us with while we've been in the States. And uh, this house is unique in that it's uh, right by a set of train tracks and a road and um, and around a lot of trees. And so uh, you'll probably hear a train at some point. You'll hear a car come by. You might even hear birds chirping. Uh, there's all kinds of things that you might hear. But... I'm just going to keep rolling uh, because we have found it almost impossible, whether we're outside or inside for filming, to have it completely um, noise-free. So anyway, thanks for putting up with that this morning as I present. It's, it's great to be with you. I, um, I have been speaking to a good friend of mine who um, has recently been diagnosed with COVID, and um, he um didn't suffer with it too terribly, but enough to where he uh, began to turn yellow and was concerned about that. And so he went to get himself checked and it was found out uh, that not only did he have COVID, but as they scanned his body, they found a cricket ball sized tumor in his liver, uh, which had been obviously growing for some time. And as I shared with my friend how sad I was for him and and, uh, that we were gonna be praying for him, he said, you know, Brian, I really feel like that COVID is a blessing for me uh, because it revealed that there's a tumor in my liver and uh, I'm, I'm trusting God. Uh, he went on to tell me, and this was very, very encouraging to me. He said, you know, Brian, uh, I've taught this. He's a pastor. I said, I've taught this to people. and I really believe it with all my heart. He said, he said, I know that God loves me. And, uh, and he says, and I know that God has a plan for my life. And I know that God is busy working his plan right now in my life. He says, those are those three things that hold me tight. First of all, that God loves me, that God has a plan for my life, and that God is working his plan. And now, if my wife were talking to you this morning, she would add one more thing to to his story. So that, no, this did not catch God by surprise at all. God knew about this before. God knows about it now. And God has a plan for the future. My friend knows and is comforted by God. He knows that God is fighting for him, that God is for him, and that God loves him. I was deeply encouraged by our conversation. But clearly, though, realized that, you know, not everyone thinks like my good buddy. Um, A lot of us, when we're confronted with trauma or crisis, we question God's love for us. Uh, And even sometimes we, we question whether or not he exists. We question his existence. In these days of COVID, many have landed right there, living in fear, living with increased doubt, rather than reassuring, uh, being reassured of God's love and sure of his perfect plan and action in their lives. Uh, most of us deal um, in life with some version of feeling unloved or we live with a fear of rejection. Uh, this is especially true for those who are going through a particular trauma or crisis in life. God is for us now, uh, but we are often unaware of it or we choose to deny it. We also can be unaware that God has always been for us. Even before we could be, even be aware of it, God was for us. Uh, he was for us even before we were born. 
I, I'm encouraged uh, this morning by the, by the words of David that we see in Psalms 139. I want to read this to you. Just It always blesses me when I see this because it's so true. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say before I say it, Lord. Uh, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the furthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion and as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. Search me, O God, David says, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. David's cry was that whatever was offending God, whatever was, was standing in the way between him and his Savior, he said, show it to me so that I can remove it and lead me into the path. Put me on the road to everlasting life. God loves us and has been involved in our lives before we existed. God in his perfect love for us has engineered it all and prepared a way for us to have a chance to understand him and receive him. His preparation is everywhere. We see this through scripture. We're told by the writers uh, of, of the Bible that, that actually God's excellence and God's presence is seen in nature, is seen in his word. Romans 1, <coughs> Paul declared, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Greek. goes on, for since the in verse 20 of Romans 1, he says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. Paul goes on to say, So we're without excuse for not knowing God because what can be revealed about God is seen in nature and his creation. But not only that, in the word of God. Paul went on to write to Timothy. He said this uh, to Timothy, You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. They have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So God has placed nature God, for us to see every day of our lives. God has placed his written word so that we can read and discover his truths. Uh, God has made it possible for us to hear and see his excellence. We have nature, we have God's word, but, but who, what persons have been sent to prepare us? Obviously the prophets, uh, 
have been sent to us to, to declare, to herald the coming of God, the cloud of witnesses that God placed on earth. Um, we see and read about them and what they wrote through scriptures. So God not only gave us nature, his word, but also individuals, people who were heralds of the beauty and greatness of our God to prepare us so that we could actually have salvation. Isaiah was one of those prophets. Isaiah prophesied of another one that would prepare us for seeing and receiving God. He was referring, uh, Isaiah spoke about us, about the coming of Christ, but also the coming of the one who would prepare us for the coming of Christ. He prophesied about John the Baptist. And, and very specifically, Isaiah wrote a lot, prophesied a lot, but very specifically in Isaiah 40, uh, verses 3 through 5, this is what he said. He said this, that John would come and, and he would be a voice of someone shouting, and this is what he would be shouting. He would be shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. God loves us enough to prepare us, to draw us. He asked us to prepare ourselves by filling in the valleys, uh, leveling the mountains, straighten the curvy roads, and smooth out the rough places so that all of God can be seen and received. This was the message of Isaiah. That, and and a, fore, um, a foreheralding of the coming of John the Baptist who would then also tell us about Jesus who is coming. This message of, of filling in the valleys, leveling the mountains, straightening the roads, and smoothing off the rough places was a metaphor of repentance. God invites us to repent, to realize our inadequacies, and, and then to realize the only adequacy uh, is Christ. Christ is the only one who's adequate, who can actually save us and change us. But we've got to repent so that we can see the beauty and, and, and majesty of our God who came to save us. This was an amazing metaphor of repentance. Repentance is uh, acknowledging one's own guilt, that we are sinners, that we've sinned against the Holy God. Understand that there's only mercy in Christ, the Son of God. Uh, it, uh, some would even argue uh, that Bible teaches that it's, it's an actual hatred of sin uh, and that it's, it's a turning away from what we've done and turning towards God. And it's a persistent endeavor to have a holy life. It's uh, to walk truly, truly in His commandments, to repent, to acknowledge, I have sinned. I agree with God that I have sinned against Him. And I come and I humbly come before him and say, okay, show me the way. Repentance fills in the valleys. Repentance levels the mountains. Repentance straightens the path, smooths out the rough places so that we can actually see God, his glory, and be transformed by him. Maybe you have doubt, fear, unnecessary sadness related to a crisis. Uh, you've decided to hide, maybe to isolate, to self-medicate, to self-protect. Uh, you've stopped trusting God. Uh, you live in fear. Your doubt needs to be filled with a renewed trust. You need to fill in those valleys. I suppose the mountain could be an allusion to the ways in which we worship other things, possibly. The way we put confidence in anything but God. The Jews typically worshiped other gods in high places. We need possibly to repent of ways we have trusted everything but God. The curvy roads may be a metaphor of walking in every direction but God's direction. A sin that so easily entangles us and distracts us from God. The rough places uh, maybe are, are those addictions that trip us up over and over and over again. We need to admit that we are wrong and humbly humble ourselves before the only one 
that can help us. The valleys, the mountains, the winding roads, and the rough places are keeping us from seeing God's immense love and his extraordinary plan for us for salvation. Uh, if, you're, if you're from Namibia, living in Namibia, in the capital city, Ventuk, uh, been there for a while now, you've been seeing this building of a road between Ventuk and Okahanya. I've enjoyed watching it. I haven't enjoyed driving around slowly around the building, but I'm, I'm glad it's, it's pretty much finished. I've loved driving on it before we left Namibia. Uh, this has been underway for some time. Uh, I've been fascinated to see how they have filled in valleys. They've removed mountains in order to level B1. They've even taken out dangerous curves in the road and laid new smooth tarmac. They've added lanes to accommodate more cars and make it safer to pass. I'm sure the road has saved lives already, and there is no telling how many lives it will save. Uh, we are asked to remove our doubt, our fears, so that we can have access to him, to level out the valleys, remove the mountains, straighten the roads, and smooth out the paths so that we can clearly see and have access to God. I spoke to my daughter recently uh, about the impact in her life of losing her father, her first father. As many of you know, and we've shared this often, that Dana's first husband died, leaving her uh, with three kids. Those three are now my adopted children. Um, my daughter, Casey, uh, shared with me uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, and I actually share this with you with her permission, that she has dealt with fears of losing again, uh, fearing that she could lose yet another family member. She has been plagued with reoccurring uh, nightmares of losing her father over and over and over again. Now, now, though, when my daughter starts into the valley of the fear of losing again, she recalls three events, three miracles that remind her that God is real. One of those is the true story of our new family coming together after her first father died. She runs to those real miracles in her life that remind her of God's provision and love for her, and then her faith is restored. Every miracle that she can remember fills up a valley of doubt, removes a mountain of fear, straighten, straightens the way to God, smooths out the path so that God can have access to save my daughter once again from her fears and comfort her in new ways. Peace comes when we see his fullness and accept God's plan for our life. Isaiah was merely pointing to John the Baptist, who would have this exact same message. John was sent to prepare the way for those living in that day, but also for us today. John was born of, of uh, older parents, uh, both who served in the context of the temple. Elizabeth uh, could not have children. Uh, she was old. And so her husband, who was performing priestly duties, uh, was standing inside uh, burning uh, incense. And, and the angel Gabriel appeared to him and said that uh, uh, he had heard his prayers and was going to give Elizabeth a son. Gabriel said that he was going to be a child who, who would not be allowed to drink alcohol, but that he would be a delight and a joy to them. He would be filled by the Spirit from birth, and he would be used to prepare a way. I um, love what Gabriel went on to say. He says that, that John would be used to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Uh, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah, Gabriel said, to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah doubted this could be because of how old they were, and so Gabriel uh, uh, removed his ability to speak. This was true for the whole pregnancy until John was actually born. 
And when they were sitting around trying to discuss what they were going to name this child, uh, God allowed Zechariah to speak one more time. He says, his name will be John. And then he prophesied uh, over his child. Can you imagine what a wonderful moment? Um, I was thinking of my own kids and, and God giving me a word for my children. Uh, to rescue us, he says, that John would be here uh, to, to herald in Jesus, the one who would rescue us from our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before all days. And he said to his child, over his child, you'll be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child then grew up. John grew up and became strong in his spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. And when he, when he started speaking, uh, his message his message was repentance. His message was to fill in the valleys, level the mountains, straighten the moor, uh, straighten the roads, and smooth the rough places so that God would be seen and there would be a way to see God's salvation. This is his message. We see this all through Luke. We see it in John, that this message of repentance. He gave them very specific instructions, too, when he spoke about how they could repent. Uh, he talked about not, not frauding people of their money, uh, sharing uh, your belongings if you had more than you needed, uh, and on and on it went. And he wasn't afraid of telling anyone what they should stop doing and turn to God. Uh, one of his most famous rebukes was to Herod, the, the Tetrarch, uh, because he had actually uh, married his brother's wife. And, of course, this landed John in prison. And ultimately, because of the evil uh, uh, Herodias uh, and her daughter, he was beheaded. John always pointed to Christ. Repent so that you can see the Lord. Uh, John said of himself, he says, I'm the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. When John would see Jesus for the first time, he said, Look, the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And then in John 3, verse 26, he said this, that he says, I must, that Jesus must increase and I must decrease. John, ultimately, his whole job was to prepare that day and ongoingly to prepare us for receiving of Jesus Christ for salvation. Ultimately, he was beheaded and was spoken very highly of, of Jesus, by Jesus. He's now in the presence of God um, and enjoying this very thing that he spoke of to others. I, I praise God that God's faithfulness was to, to give us this line of prophets, uh, nature, his word, uh, in order for us to see salvation. John was one in a long line of people who were her heralding the coming of Christ, the Messiah, who would actually bring salvation, who would change our lives. John pointed to Jesus. And of course, uh, Jesus, when he came, uh, ultimately pointed to the Spirit of God who would be left. He actually encouraged his disciples not to be sad that he was going because he said, if I don't go, then the next one can't come. Jesus died, rose again, and he pointed to the Spirit of God who would then come and, and abide 
and convict us and move us and change us here. This is what uh, Jesus said of, of the Spirit of God. When he comes, he'll convict the world of his sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because of the rule of this world has already been judged. Jesus heralded the coming of the Spirit, his own Spirit, the Spirit of God, who continues to convince and, con and convict us of salvation only in Christ, to lead us in righteousness, and will be the one who carries us ultimately before the Father to see him face to face. This incredible, extraordinary line of preparation of forerunners who came before us, who, who made it possible for us to actually come before the Father and receive salvation. I'm, I'm blown away, uh, starting from Psalms 139, that, that God actually knew me before I was born. He formed me in my mother's womb. I'm blown away that, that he, he had all of these witnesses that we read about, all these prophets who came hundreds and hundreds of years before us, who heralded salvation only in God. And then finally to John, John who heralded the coming of the Son of God. And then Jesus himself who came, he died, he rose again. And then enabled his spirit, himself, his presence to be with us 100% all the time. We now are blessed like John was, that from birth we have access to the Spirit of God who convicts us, who convinces us. And then we, we have a chance to give our life to him, to confess our sins, to repent, and see him and allow him to transform our lives. Holy Spirit now prepares people to receive Christ. This is ongoing ministry. This And the ministry is, and the message is, repentance and forgiveness. The same that we preach today. So what does God want to do with all this? I, I believe that God wants us to repent. God wants us to, to fill in uh, those valleys, to remove those mountains, to, to straighten our road, to smooth the rough places so that we can actually see the love of God that he has for us. We need to repent and we need to realize that God loves us. He has and had a plan for our lives even before we were born. He has created us and loves us completely even before we were born. He has given us nature, the word of God, a long line of forerunners and witnesses that declare his glory and salvation. And then we need to place our trust in him and receive forgiveness and be saved. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The writer John also says to us, if we claim we have no sin, we are, not, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So we're invited to repent, to fill in the valleys, to remove the mountains, to straighten the paths. We're invited to smooth the rough places, to come before him in repentance, humble ourselves before him so that we can see the fullness of God, we can see the, the, the extraordinary way that God has loved us through time to bring us to this point where we can see his love and be saved. So we need to accept this for ourselves, but we also need to be a voice of preparation for others to come to him. First Corinthians 9 says that 
Uh, Paul said, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. It goes on in 2 Corinthians to say, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God is inviting us not only to be transformed by him through repentance and salvation through him, but also to be a preparer for others to also discover the the majesty and greatness of God. The job of the preparer, us, is to humbly, truthfully walk with people to help them fill in the valleys, level the mountains, straighten out their paths, help smooth over their rough places, to repent, in other words, and thus be ready to receive Jesus and follow him. I think about the story of the author of the book, Share Jesus Without Fear, a man by the name of William Fay. William Fay was um, the president and CEO of a multi-million dollar international corporation. He had ties with the mob and owned one of the largest houses of prostitution in the United States. He was involved in racketeering, bookmarking, and gambling. Um, He was chauffeured around in a limo, had tons of money, had many wives and and other uh, trophies. And um, one morning he met a Christian that he chastised. He gave, gave him a hard time. That guy and his wife presented Christ to him over and over and over again and took from him all kinds of abuse. He, but he never forgot anything they ever said. He was arrested uh, for, for promoting prostitution. And, and this family, this Christian family, uh, was the only one who called out and wanted to see how he was doing. They loved him in an extraordinary way. Because of their witness, he eventually gave his life to Christ. Because of their witness and the witness of countless others, um, he decided to make a decision. He never forgot anything they told him, even though he abused them to the point of uh, making a decision. He now teaches others how to share their faith. And actually, William Fay says in his book that it it takes about uh, eight times of sharing before someone actually will come to Christ. This, In other words, there's this, according to William Fay, there's this long line of presenters and witnesses of Christ before someone will actually receive. Most conversions, probably 90% of conversions that take place where people actually give their life to Christ, uh, they did so through uh, family and friends who shared one-on-one with them. They helped prepare them for receiving Christ through friendship and love. When we share the gospel, we, we are following the most excellent line of forerunners who have prepared the person we're sharing Christ with. We are just, we're just one more voice, one more person. What an honor it is to join nature, uh, to join his creation, uh, to join the canon of Scripture, the Word of God, to join the chorus of all of the voices, to join all the prophets who've gone before us and who are now still speaking, and to join the Spirit of the living God in speaking one more time to whoever it is that we're talking to, the good news of salvation that can only be found in Jesus. Our message is repent and be forgiven. We will never speak to anyone that is not already heard in some way, that the Spirit of God is not already actively working in their lives. He has made a way for us and for anyone that we talk to. So God calls us to be transformed. Repent 
and go before him and receive his forgiveness. And he asks us, invites us to be, to join a long line of hundreds and thousands of voices to speak truth to others, to help them be prepared to receive salvation in Christ. What an honor it is uh, to be chosen, uh, to be acknowledged, to be loved in this way by our God. He's made a way for us and for anyone that we talk to. So, pray with me. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you. God, we thank you that you've invited us to join you. Or we know that you're actively, actively convincing and convicting people uh, that are around us. Lord Jesus, you're, you're drawing people to yourself. And Lord, you're inviting us to help in this process of preparing people to receive you. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, fill us completely. And Lord, we, we confess our sin of, of thinking this is just our job or someone else's job. Lord, we ask, God, that you would fill us with your, your spirit so that we would be bold in our witness. And, Lord, that we would, would day by day experience your fullness in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the honor it is uh, to, 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 to be able to call ourselves a child of God. Thank you that you were thinking about us long before we even had a thought. And, Lord, you continue to, to, to look at us and to sing over us and to think of us. And you, you, you're working your plan, God, and we praise you for that. Thank you, God, that you love us. Thank you that you have a plan for our lives. And thank you, God, that you are working your plan. Lord, we love you so very much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.